Hello and welcome back to Reality Speaks, where we are here to answer questions. Questions like, what's really going on in the world? What does the Bible really say about this? How are we really supposed to react as Christians? We are introducing our next part in our series asking the question, how should Christians really live? And this time we're talking about biblical study, personal Bible study. Um, Is the Bible reliable? Why should we study the Bible if it is reliable? And how does that look? What are some practical tips on studying the Word of God? We're going to hit on all of that in today's episode, so just stay tuned. We'll get started right after this. One, and here we go. We are live, and today I'm going to be reading from Psalm chapter number 19 to start us off. Psalm 19, verse number 7 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, Enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. I always like that rhyme. I remember that. Yeah. This is from Bible Quizzing a few years back. Is uh, I think it was also in Bible Quizzing this year. I it just was. wasn't involved in that. <laughs> uh, I got canceled. Uh, no. Some of that was done. Well, yeah, I know, but I mean... And uh, guys, uh, B- Bible Quizzing Nationals are still on, by the way. Are they? They're an open tournament. <laughs> Bible quizzing nationals are on for now, depending on what St. Charles, Missouri ends up letting happen by the time it rolls around. I've been there. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's pray to get started. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for all that you've done. Help us learn more about you, more about your word. And God, help us to be a doer of your word, not just a hearer of it, Lord. I pray that you would put something new inside of us today. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you do. We pray that you help us in this study today. In Jesus' name, we love you. Amen. So, today we are going to be talking about Bible study. Uh, And the first question, um, we can't really prove or answer by quoting verses. At least not for most people. Um, You're saying just spitting out scripture? Yeah, because most people don't really like uh, you to do this. If they ha- if they genuinely have this question, is the Bible true? Yeah, the Bible's true. The Bible says it's true. Yeah. Yeah. That reminds me, not to cut you off, but one time I wrote a paper in English. I don't know what you're going to do. What and, you're going to say, I mean. And to, like, like you're saying... I know the Bible's true. It's God's word. I believe that. And I wrote a paper in English talking about the day of Pentecost. And I never, like, put the Bible as, like, an actual, like, reference in the back because I just put statements in there. 
and one one of the students who was like correcting my favorite, she's like, she's like, you can't just put the Bible in there. She's like, you gotta reference it. She's like, not everybody believes it's true. <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because not everyone believes it's true. So uh, that's the. I actually speaking of your day of Pentecost story kind of reminds me of a noteworthy podcast with Nathan French talking about. Um, when he was in Bible college, and one of the key things that they were teaching is uh, it was a Baptist Bible college, so their final paper, tell us why tongues have ceased. (laughs) All right. (laughs) This is what he did. I'm a Pentecostal, and this is my story. (laughs) That was the title of his paper. I'm a Pentecostal, and this is my story. He got an A plus because he cited everything perfectly within Scripture, and his Baptist Bible teacher said, "I really can't argue with this. This is entirely based off the Word of God and personal testimony. I really can't, I really can't call you wrong for uh, you did what I wanted everyone else to do, cite it via Scripture. So yeah, but we're not always dealing with Bible who teachers. It. No. So yeah. how can you prove the Bible is true?" To someone who doesn't believe the Bible. Well, uh, I guess something that, that, that could work would be showing examples of how the Word of God has come to life in your own life. Well, I think one thing, especially now, like in the time we're living in now, is prophecy. Because there's a lot of yeah, yeah prophecies that have come true. Yeah. And that, uh, people are going to argue, well... That could just be a coincidence, but most of the time the people that are argue this stuff that's going on right yeah. now, they just don't want to believe it. Yeah, like, thing is, mid-1980s, the thing that launched what is now known as End Time Ministries was he wrote a book based on Bible prophecy called A Letter to the President, and it was about how, the, according to the Bible, he, he based it on Bible prophecy and his translation of it that the Berlin Wall was going to come down. And when he got that right, based off of Bible prophecy, that kind of had a lot of people start saying, oh, maybe there's something to this. Yeah. (laughs) Um, They also went through his uh, translation of what the seven trumpets in Revelation are supposed to mean. He said uh, they prophesy that there was going to be a great big war to kick this all off, uh, World War I. Then World War Two, then the Chernobyl disaster, and he claimed that all of this—I don't know all of it off the top of my head. Uh, just search it; you can find it pretty easily on the Seven Trumpets uh, on YouTube somewhere. Uh, Urban Baxter, Seven Trumpets, all of it's in there. And he said the next one in line, according to, is that a third of the world is going to die in a big war. And he was having a lot of people pay attention at the beginning of the year. Not so much once the World War Three rumors fizzled out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's what people do with these prophecy teachers. They follow them until nothing's going on anymore. Yeah. Yeah. One is relevant. Yeah. Uh, but based on prophecy, there is something that was prophesied several thousand years before it happened. All throughout the Old Testament was they prophesied something. And that was that there, a virgin shall conceive... Not everyone's going to believe that, but they will believe, yes, 
all these things they said about Jesus in the prophecies did indeed happen. Yeah. Um, but let's get outside of prophecy. Not everyone believes prophecy. Okay, fine. What about the fact that the Bible got scientific discoveries right before science got them right? Most scientists didn't believe that the world was round. But Isaiah 40.22 said that there was a circle of the earth. Job said, not a lot, many religions don't get this right, <clears throat> that the world hangs on nothing according to the book of Job. But Hindus say that it's sitting on a turtle. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> that is... It is sitting on a turtle that is sitting on elephants. That's that's what Hindus believe. That's fair. <laughs> and then there's Prometheus, like in the oh, yeah, Roman the, or Greek uh, mythology. He's Greek, the, Greeko, the Roman theology. Yeah, there's a man walking, carrying it on his back. No, the he hang he hung the world on nothing. Lots of people believe that there was only like a couple thousand stars. The Bible said they are countless if you can number them, Abraham. Yeah. Um, and, or let's just, uh, Leviticus 15. Most people didn't believe it was that important to wash your hands. What? Most people didn't believe it was that important to wash their hands. Uh, si- uh, doctors in the mid uh, 17, 1800s mm-hmm. couldn't figure out why their, all of their pregnant women were dying. Mm-hmm. I've heard this before. But. And they couldn't figure out, because all the midwives, they were surviving. The, the babies that they were taking care of were surviving, but the ones these doctors were handling in the hospital, they said, is it because of the sounds of the room? Is it because uh, the midwives deliver babies with the women on their side, and we deliver them laying on their backs? Nothing was changing the numbers until finally they realized that the same disease that a woman died of became the same disease that a doctor died of because he had pricked his finger during an autopsy. What does the Bible say about washing your hands? Leviticus 15, it says that if you touch blood, you need to cleanse yourself in running water. You need to cleanse yourself in running water and then, say, and then cleanse all your clothes that you're wearing as well. Yeah. Guys, anyone heard anything about how important it is to wash your hands lately? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. They also said that if you have a plague, you need to separate yourself from everyone. In Leviticus chapter 13. Social distancing. Quarantine. The Bible said it first. <laughs> they finally figured it out during the Black Death. Uh, it also says in Deuteronomy 14, 12 through 18, it lists a lot of animals you shouldn't eat, and one of them is bats. And they carry lots of diseases. Yeah, and bats is what's going on. Yeah, that's, uh, where COVID-19 came from, guys. (laughs) Bats. Don't eat bats. Deuteronomy 14 said it And that's because they say they're unclean, and all of those animals that are considered unclean, that even though we may eat today, like pigs... Um, are really bad for you. They're nasty. Pork is bad for you. Pork is bad for I you. I saw a picture one time on Facebook. I mean, I know Facebook's not reliable, but I'm pretty oh, sure. I'm pretty sure it was real. Facebook. It was just a picture of like a pig, and they had like it was like a dead pig, and they like sliced into it. And I don't know if something was wrong with the meat or what it was, but it was 
gross looking. And the next time I ate pork, I couldn't get it out of my head. It also said don't <laughs> eat eagles, and the U.S. says don't do that either. <laughs> um, Who would want to but eat the thing eat? is, what I was about to say about the unclean, I got Tons. off. I got distracted. I got off track. Uh, yeah, a little bit. They didn't know back then that they were bad for them. They just knew that God said don't eat it. Yeah, and that's what. And so- if you think about it. People lived to be like 900 back then. Yeah, a lot of them were living very long lives. Moses lived to be 120, which uh, after the after the Garden of Eden, people slowly started living less long lives. But, mm-hmm. th- but, but when Moses lived to be 120, that was when at that time most people were living normal lives now. Moses lived to be 120, and he was following the rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Also, when we look at history, most historians used to say, oh, Jesus is, it wasn't even a real man. No. No, it's been proven. Most people... Most people, most even, good if historians atheists, now, even if they're atheists, believe that Jesus walked the earth. At the very yeah. least, Jesus was a teacher because teachings back then, they said... Uh, also, the teachings back... Uh, the same historian that said Jesus was a real man in the early 1st uh, and 2nd centuries said that there was a man who baptized people by the name of John around the same time. He also confirmed that some people claimed he was the Christ and that he was supposedly seen after he was supposed to have died. All you have to have is someone say you're seen after you're dead for you to confirm a resurrection. No one has found bones in that tomb that he was supposed to have died in. Mm Um, and they won't. <laughs> and it's they confirm that the crucifixion worked that way. Uh, a lot of people used to claim that Nineveh was never a real city, but later on they ended up finding the archaeological remains of the place that was known as Nineveh. Why did Nineveh? Why why did they question that Nineveh was a real city? Because eventually they turned back on that repentance that they were supposed to be doing, and they went on in their wickedness anyway. And Jonah's prophecy came true. Um, a lot of, I heard this recently as well about the whole, uh, creation versus evolution thing. Um, what people use to figure out how old the earth is and these fossils and everything is that they try to use carbon dating, but carbon dating is not even reliable after 6,000 years or so. But they say that, oh, it's somewhere between 7,000 and 5 million years old. Nice. <laughs> All right. Vague descriptions. Um, I'm, I may be exaggerating, but you know, they have. Fa- but they have found dinosaurs that are so in one piece that they're in the middle of fighting each other. Did some? Did they? Were they fighting each other and then just died and stayed in that same position throughout their entire decay period, or did they get suddenly hit by a massive? Wave of water wiping it out all at once. Which isn't there like um, also scientific evidence that the flood did occur? Yeah, uh, that's one of them that I'm talking about right there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, a lot of people say that it took millions of years of a slow trickle of water to create what is now called the Grand Canyon. Yeah. But doesn't it make more sense that one rapid rush of water created this new Earth formation? Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, the layers and all that, they're there. Uh, They've also found chariot wheels in the bottom of this sea 
outside of Egypt. Yeah, I've heard that. Known as the Red Sea. Um, and why would... The Ark is somewhere in the Turkey, isn't it? The Ark is in Turkey. People have... There is record of people finding it. Uh-huh. It does exist. Yeah. All that is there. The Bible is true. Um, and there's another one. This is merely a psychological example. Why would 12 people all agree to tell the same story and not have any variation in it, even though they all were being killed? Okay. Why would you stick up to something that you know is not true? That can get you killed. (laughs) That is going to get you killed. And all of them stood up to it. Even Judas couldn't live with himself. Some people um, would argue that it's a cult. Of course, I don't believe that, but... But all of them? All of them willing to go to this? Even when they know proof positive that it's gonna get them killed? I'm not arguing with you. I'm just being the person that would be arguing with you. I'm I'm Um, returning the argument. (laughs) There are lots of cults that die for their leaders. Like, all the time. Of course, I don't think it was a cult. I'm no. saying yeah. I'm so that's not all, sure that would be all, one all that would prove anything to anyone. Yeah. But, um, so if this thing is true, why is that important? If it's true, why is it so important that it's true? The Bible? Yeah. What's that mean if it's true? What does what mean if it's true? What power does this book hold if it's all true? Well, all power. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty simple. All power. Uh, Psalm one nineteen one oh five says, "Thy word have, uh, thy word is a lamp unto my that's feet. Not the right verse. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet." Sorry, I've got two Psalm one nineteen verses that I've got written down. That's all right. <laughs> You're forgiven, Jake. Uh, thy word is a lamp unto my pe- feet and a light unto my path. It literally becomes the guide for your life. Yeah. It even tells you what happens after your life. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what's going to happen if you do this. Here's what's going to happen if you do that. The word if is in the Bible thousands of times. And it's never uh, if I do this, you can do this. It's if you will do this, I will do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always on his, on our end to keep the promise and his end to fulfill it. Yeah. Uh, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin and heal their land. It's all on us, not him. Yeah. And that's all throughout the Bible. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen, I quoted it a little bit uh, a few weeks ago talking about um talking about the doctrine and all that and how important it is who knows I, I may I may be thinking about something I said on one of my live feeds on Sunday morning but the uh, I hope I'm gonna find it because I'm I'm wa- not wanting to say it wrong I have it in my head I know what I'm saying but I'm, I'm questioning myself so all scripture oh, is yeah. given by inspiration of God and it is profitable all scripture is by inspiration of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's all you need right there. Yeah. It's inspiration of God. None of it is fallible according to 
this verse. Nothing is going to let up. He is true and honest all the time. Yeah. It's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, mm-hmm. and righteousness. It can give you the way to live, <clears throat> the way to live as a Christian. It gives you, uh, it can tell you when you're not doing what you need to do. It can tell you what you need to do instead of what you're doing. Yeah. And it can tell you how to, what you should be doing. Righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, mature, thoroughly furnished to all good works. It makes us everything that we need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's uh, one thing that is important that people get hung up on. That says that all of it is inspiration of God and is uh, profitable whatever, it's going to help you. Um, it's inspired by God, and it's going to help you, is what that verse essentially is saying. A lot of people like to hear only the good stuff, and it's one reason I feel like people don't, either people just like the New Testament, or pick and choose what they want from Old Testament and the New Testament, because they think just because it contains something like a woman getting chopped in half, or people... A woman being okay with a kid she says is her baby being cut in two, that the Bible is promoting that if they choose to think about that portion. But they overlook that the Bible has layers and everything, and it's important, but it may not be what you see on the first the first time you look at it. And that's why it's so important because it's why it's so important to study it instead yeah. of just reading it. And just taking it uh, with a grain of salt. Is that the phrase? Yeah, yeah. because if you don't <laughs> um, pay attention, you can get lost. You can be like, oh, <laughs> okay, the Bible says that I'm supposed to cut my baby in half. No. Or the you, Bible says that you're supposed to use the... That story is you use wisdom. Or you can... Or also the Bible says God is love, so that means I don't have to worry about doing this because he'll love me anyway. Exactly. And because and you're leaving out the entire fact that God Himself, Jesus, is the one who said more about hell than any other preacher or man in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. You just have to with the Bible. One reason it's so important to not just read every once in a while or to just half read it is because if you do half read it or just read it every once in a while, then you'll be uh, what I saw on Instagram one time a salad bar Christian. You go and get what you want. You don't want the tomatoes because you don't like how they taste. But you need them. Yeah. One of the big things is there are... What the Bible says is that in the last days they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will bring to themselves teachers having itching ears. There's a lot of preachers out there saying stuff that's not in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Is it in the Word? Is, is it biblically based? That's the number one question we need to be asking if someone's preaching something. Yeah. Uh, because uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 19, what I just, 17, it says that everything in it is good for doctrine, reproof, correction. And Psalm 119 and 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We got to get the whole book in us. Yeah. John seventeen seventeen says, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Mm-hmm. It is all important. It is all necessary. Um, Psalm chapter 1, 
Like the whole Psalm chapter 1 is all about why this is so important. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or standeth in the way of sinners, or sits in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Then he will be like a tree planted in rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf won't wither, and whatever he does will prosper. That is what's going to make us prosper. That's what's going to make us established. That's what we need is the word of God. We need to delight in the law of the Lord to meditate in it. Yeah. We can't even worship properly without the word because he said the day is coming and now is where the Father seeks him to worship in spirit and in truth. We we can't worship him with honesty without this inside of us. Mm -hmm. Because then... He will make us like a river of living water. Yeah, because the Word of God's going to help you live your life and judge your life, what you're doing correctly and incorrectly, and give you an honest heart. Yeah. Ephesians 5 uh, says something interesting. And uh, Ephesians five twenty five, 25, uh, it goes off of that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. Uh, and then it says, gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That's what's going to make us clean. That's what's going to make us holy is mm-hmm. the word. Yeah. Uh, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of the water of the word. Because then's when he's going to per- be able to present it to himself, a glorious church that doesn't have any spot, any wrinkle, any such thing. That it would be holy and without blemish. That's what's going to make us holy and without blemish is when we get washed daily by the word. Uh, we talked about baptism and how there's really no uh, continuance of baptism after we've been baptized. You don't need it again. Yeah, what's going to keep on washing you is the word. Yeah, the truth. Yeah. Reading it every day. Pastor, all the time he talks about how uh, like when he comes to like to counsel, I've heard him tell it like a thousand times. You probably know exactly what I'm talking about. He's talking about counseling people and stuff. He's like, he's never ever heard of someone backsliding if they read their word, read the word of God every single day. Mm-hmm. I heard a story a while back about a guy who, uh, he's a famous preacher, who said he was going to live life like someone who didn't believe in God for a whole year. To as kind of an experiment to see what it was like to be a sinner, some famous preacher out there I don't know his name off the top of my head. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't either. (laughs) Well, he said because he 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 said that I can do this and I will live like a sinner for a year, and at the end I'm going to have an impressive like way to understand sinners better. Guess who didn't believe in God at the end of a year? Yeah, I was like, yeah. Uh, there's no way this worked. <laughs> yeah, because it's in... Yeah, that doesn't work. Because you see, Ephesians 6 and well, 17... Like, hold on. On yeah. a completely different note, like, that has to do with what you said, not necessarily the Bible. Yeah. Well, it does, actually. It, it goes together. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, what you put inside of you is what comes out. Yeah. Just yeah. not to be gross. When you eat... When you pass it, what what is coming out, whether it looks like it or not, is that you don't eat bananas and steak comes out. 
It doesn't work that way. What you, you ever eat corn, you know the truth. <laughs> <laughs> what you put inside of you is what is going to come out, period. Yeah. And if you're going to live your life like a sinner, you're going to live your life like someone that doesn't believe in God or <laughs> even something else. You're yeah, just going to live. If bad. you go to school and pretend like you are not uh, an apostolic young person, more than likely you're going to eventually not be an apostolic young person because that's how it works. Yeah. Ephesians 6.17, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, it's our only method of attack that's listed here. Yeah. Uh, And that is evidenced in uh, Matthew chapter 4 when Jesus is in the desert. How's he fight? It's what he is that comes out. Is the word says, the word says, the word says, devil, this is how I'm fighting you. Yeah. The word says. Mm-hmm. He could just say, oh, I'm God, but no, he quoted the word. He could just be gone, Satan. No, what he said was, the word says, worship the Lord your God alone, him only thou shalt serve. Yeah, because Jesus. Don't tempt the Lord thy God. That's yeah. in the word. Yeah, yeah, Jesus went into the desert to fast for a purpose, and that was to show us demonstration through the Word of how in those times of temptation we can prove through the Word of how to f- fight against the devil in those moments. Yeah, in John 1, this is one of the biggest ones here, is John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word of God, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. How did creation happen? God. I remember um, one time I was not very old. So um, just I think I was probably six. Mama told me that there was nothing in this world that God didn't make. And if it was technically made by a human, uh, that God still made it because he made humans. So I decided to... uh, and he made awesome. He made the things that humans made things with. So I was like five or six, and I decided to see if that was really true. I did that a lot. I remember the first time I figured out that sound was vibration. So I would walk around and like try to make a noise without it vibrating on something, and I'd be like, "Wow!" <laughs> I'd have these epiphanies, but I have to prove it. I have to prove it right first. I don't I don't do that as much anymore. But when I was little, I did that all the time. I had to prove it right first. So she, when she told me that, I remember walking around for like the next three weeks trying to find something that God didn't make. And, of course, I didn't. And I think maybe that would be um, something to anyone who is uh, doubting anything to try and do. Just walk around, look at the world, and just be like, look at the, look at the world through the eyes of a six-year-old and just that realize... That's what Jesus said to do. Yeah, just yeah. just realize that he knows what he's doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, interesting thing here. It, it, all these things that you that I've read, it, it applies it to him. In him was life. Life was the light of men. Light shines in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. What did it say? The word was early. A lamp unto my feet. A light unto yeah. my path. Uh, the set. John came as a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. John wasn't the light. He was sent to bear witness of the light. The true light lights every man that comes in the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. The world knew him not. He came to his own. His own received him not. 
As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Born of, not of blood, not of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Kind of ties into what she just said. Everything was made by him. Yeah, everything was. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You see, the word is the essence of God. Yeah. You want to know God, read the book. Yeah. And don't just read part of it, read all of it. Mm-hmm. Figure it all out. Front to back. Read it front to back. Read or the whole middle thing. to back. Yeah, and because Jacob at the beginning of this was talking about ways that you can prove that the Bible is real. And the, like two or three of those things came from the most boring book in the Bible, Leviticus. So that, to me, <laughs> proves that you should read the whole thing. Yeah. Because even if it's boring... Or it seems boring. You can find something in it. Do you know how they come up with how uh, cre- how creationist scientists come up with what they believe to be the age of the Earth? No, <laughs> I do not. They figure it out by looking at the ages of people. Where do you get the ages of people? Adam beget. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Adam beget Seth beget Enos beget. <laughs> Some yeah. of the more boring parts of the Bible is where you're going to find. Some of the stuff that's important to our foundation. Yeah, and Lindy you want to figure out how to pray. You're going to have to read. Reading Leviticus is very helpful. That's where Brother G. A. Mangan came up with what is now known yeah. as the Tabernacle Plan of Prayer. Yeah. One of the most important uh, revelations that a lot of people have had mm-hmm. is that, and it's a pretty boring place. Yeah, but it's very important. Yeah, uh, Luke six forty seven. So. How do we activate this in our lives? It's in Luke six forty seven. It's actually uh, Adam Shaw was the one who told that story about the guy who decided he wasn't going to live like a Christian for a year, and he based it off of this: Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them not, doeth them, I'll show you who he's like. He's like a man which built a house, dig deep, laid the foundation on a rock, and when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently upon it. On the house and couldn't shake it, it was founded on a rock. He that heareth and doeth not is like a man that is without a foundation, built the house on the earth, and the stream beat it vehemently, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So that the rock is not Jesus, as we've heard so many times. The rock is doing the word of God. Mm-hmm. Is when you hear the words of Jesus, you do what he says. Yeah. yeah. Studying the Bible is powerless if we don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Because if you... There's, there are no doubt serial killers that read the Bible every day and may even think that the reason they're killing people is because of the Bible. I, there's an episode of Little House on the Prairie where... Um, Caroline, the mom, if you don't know what Little House on the Prairie is, um, she got left alone with an infection in her leg, so she picked up her Bible and saw if if it offends you, cut it off. And she's just about to cut off her leg, and then Charles comes in. And that's why you have to know. Yeah, I've heard of drug addicts reading that pluck your eye out if yeah. it offends you and plucking their eye out, yeah, and they're and now walking yeah. around half blind. Yeah. 
you need to read the whole story. And the reason that happened is because they were reading their Bible while not living it. And they weren't in the right state of mind. They were high reading their Bible and not living what the Bible is telling you to do. And it caused them to do something stupid. That's why you have to live it. Yes, we absolutely got to live this book. Because if you're reading it and trying to apply it and not living it, you are going to possibly be more messed up than not. Mm-hmm. I, I heard someone say today it, that they believe it is impossible for a sinner to be carnal. Yeah, I heard that. That was Brother Bounds. Yeah. yeah. It's impo- he, said, you, he said that only someone who has known righteousness before can be carnally minded, mm-hmm. which yeah. is to be an enemy of God, according mm-hmm. to the word. Because if you don't if you live as a sinner and you've never known righteousness, then then you're just a sinner. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're born of the world. You're not you're not born carnal, you're born sinful. Yes. You become carnal when you know better. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly it. So, what's the danger? There's only one danger in knowing the word of God and that is not doing it. Yeah, true. Um James says the same thing that Jesus was just saying in James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, uh, Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Yeah. You are deceiving yourself if you are not doing the word, and thinking, oh, I'm reading my Bible, I'm fine. No. If any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man that looks in a mirror, beholds his natural face in the glass, is what the KJV says. Looks in a mirror. And he sees himself goes his way and forgets what he looked like before. Hmm. So every time you read this book, you are going to realize, am I doing that or am I not? And if you don't, you need to read something you can understand. Yeah. Um, or get a preacher to help you understand it. Yeah. If you come to something you don't understand, ask somebody. Bible study. Uh, or study it out yourself yeah. more. Look at some other books. Look at different translations. Figure out what it means. Uh, because... If you don't figure out what it means, you just it's like you're looking at a smudged mirror. Yeah. Uh, and because it don't make sense. Whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty continueth therein, and being not a forgetful hearer but a doer, this man will be blessed. You want to be blessed, read it and apply it. Yeah, because I mean, there's so much depth to the word of God. You could you could read through the Bible five times. And then the sixth time, you, you could catch something like, I mean, like, I've probably read in my Bible, like when I try to do like the yearly thing, I sometimes forget to mark off days, and then a few days later, or whenever something happens, I find myself, I'm like, I feel like I've already read this, but I've never caught that before. And then you write that down, because there's so much depth to it mm-hmm. that you just don't catch it that way that time, and the next time you read it. Because that's how yeah. that's how it works. It works in different seasons yeah. of your life. There are mm-hmm. several things that I like. I've read that Every, exact verse so many times, but I didn't read it yeah. that way before. Everyone yeah. I've ever heard of that has read the Bible through multiple times says that's that every I mean. time they read it, they find something new. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Genesis one, the Genesis one is our example. It's what we need to be. God said, and there was. Genesis 1, Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, there was light. Mm-hmm. 
God said, let there be a firmament separating the waters above the earth from the waters below the earth. And there was a firmament. God said, let there be birds in the air and fish in the sea. There was birds in the air and there was fish in the sea. God said, let the earth bring forth of its kind. And the earth brought forth animals. If the earth itself can do it, we should do the same. Yeah. If God said it, we should do it. Yeah. Uh, Hebrews 12 says something interesting as well in this whole nature of because it said it, we need to do it. It says in Hebrews 12, Wherefore we also are compassed with a great cloud of witnesses. Let us therefore lay aside every weight in the sin that easily besets us. Run with patience the race that's setting set before us, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Mm-hmm. What? What? Why? Why should we? Who are these witnesses? Who are these witnesses that we're surrounded by? The world. Everybody. Hebrews eleven. This guy had faith, and something great happened. Mm-hmm. This guy. Moses had faith, so he did this. Noah had faith, so he built a boat. Uh, Abraham had faith, so he left into this strange country. And then at the end of this long chapter of where it tells all these people who did great things, we have these witnesses. That's why you need to read the whole context. Yeah. Because we have so many people who've done this before, we know that we can do what they did. So we need to live this way and set aside sin because they were willing to do it. Yeah. In response to Hebrews 11, we're to move forward because Scripture gives us an example. It's so important that we be willing to move forward and follow the example of Scripture. Uh, there's a great message. Court uh, Chavis... Mark Brown both preached a message with the same title. How to Never Fall. And it's based on 2 Peter chapter 1. Where in verse 10 he says, If you do these things, you'll never fall. I've heard one of them, but I can't remember which one. I think it was Court Chavis's. Uh, yeah, it was, was Court Chavis. They're both really good. Court Chavis is the one that, um, that really inspired my uh, study of this chapter. And Peter says, we have great and precious promises. And beside all this, give all diligence, add to your faith virtue, which means you have faith in God, great, now start acting like it. Yeah. And then add to your good behavior, or virtue, knowledge. What knowledge? The Bible. The book. <laughs> Get to know the book. But once you have knowledge, you need to add on temperance. You need to do what the book says. (laughs) Yeah. And on top of just controlling yourself by what the book says, you need to have patience. And to patience, you need to have godliness. Be willing to put up with people. And then after you start putting up with people, it's going to test you a lot. So you really need to get holiness or godliness. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you can't do that without the Holy Ghost, by the way. And then add on brotherly kindness. Don't just be a good person. Don't just be a holy person. Love people. Yeah. And not just any people, the people in the church. The people in the pew next to you. 
Not just anybody, the people in the pew next to you. Yeah. And to that charity, only once you start treating your brothers right do you need to start treating everybody right. Because everybody's going to know a lot better, oh, this Christianity ain't nothing. Look at the fact they can't even treat the other Christians right. Yeah. 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 If that's in you and abound, then you will neither be barren nor unfruitful. You that lack these things, you're blind, you can't see far off. If you do these things, you will never fail. And that is, get to know the book and then do what the book says. Yeah. That's the simplified version of all that he said. <laughs> he said a lot, and it's very important, very cool. But, so how are we supposed to get this knowledge? Well, you've got to take it in. You've got to intake it. It's just like, um, if you're studying for an exam, or uh, to be, have some sort of Profession. I'll, I'll use um, when I worked at nine one one billing. I didn't work there very long, but there was a lot to take in. And the first I was in training, basically up until I left, um, and I was there for three, two, three, maybe four months. I'm not sure. Um, I was in training a lot. The first week, I thought I could just ingest everything that they were telling me and um, that would be how I figured it out because that's really that's how I dealt with um, school most of the time so I had this notepad and I was writing down everything she was telling my trainer was telling me and it took me about a week to realize that that was not going to work because it was a lot so what I had to do was realize that I should focus on one thing every day. And um, once I started to do that, I would get that thing down and then I would move on to the next thing. Once I started that, I realized that the other thing that I'm pretty good at in my life, the piano, that's how I learned the, that's how I always learn a new song. I get the first part down usually, which is just like one line of the song. And then once I have that perfect, I move on to the next thing. And I think that that's really how you're supposed to do most things in life. Because if you try to fix all of your problems at once, if you try to ingest all of the word at once, try to apply every single area of the word at once when you're a big mess, you're going to get lost and you're going to think that you can't do anything right. And then if you're like most people, you're just going to give up because you can't do it. And that's the same thing that happened um, according to my trainer, with a lot of people that worked at my job, they would get overwhelmed because they try to do it all at once and they'd be like, there's no way I can do this and they'd get stressed out and leave. But I didn't do that and I took it step by step and by the time uh, my training was over, I knew what I was doing. And that's how you just have to, that's how you have to do life, especially if you're a person that gets stressed out easily like I am or like most people are, whether they like to admit it or not. You have to take things one step at a time, no matter how important it is, because no matter who you are, if you push it all on yourself and think you have to do it all at once, you're going to get overwhelmed, decide you can't do it, and give up. And that's exactly what Jacob was just talking about. Yeah. Add to your faith. Step one, faith. Yeah. Step two, after you have faith and believe the Bible's true, 
Yeah. Then start trying to be good. Yeah. It didn't say like, yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it doesn't it say this, once you get faith then, done, then you're gonna have it all. No, it says do this and this and this and this and. But this. it doesn't say do step one, leave step one, and go to step two. It no, add exactly, and that's like how when I learned a piano piece or when I was working at my job. I learned that one, and it stay, especially if this, it fits more into a song because you can't play just one part of the song. You have to play it all. So once you learn the first line, you have when then you move on to the second line. You can't forget the first line. Yeah. You have to play it all together to make the song. Yes, that's uh, brother Doug Smith was talking to me about how he learns the Bible verses. Yeah, and that's always how I did it. Too. And th- he said I would learn first verse. In the mm-hmm. beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Yeah. And then, and, how I like in the beginning, God created in. the heaven and the earth, and the world was set up form and void. And yeah. the world was set up form and void. Yeah, that's like most Bible quiz tactics. Yeah, to, because that's the most efficient way to learn something, whether you're memorizing something, or like I said, learning something in a job, or, or cooking, or learning how to live for God. That's how you do it. It's, it's the uh, most effective way. It's also what learn I... Learn something new. Um, also, so what's step one? Just start reading the book. Yeah. Step one, just read it, okay? Mm-hmm. Don't don't worry about doing some in-depth study of the life of Jesus. Just start reading Matthew. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, or Genesis. Genesis is good, too. Just uh, so many people I'm just going from it. the example of the life of Jesus. That's the reason I said uh, Yeah, I know. Yeah. But Genesis... Um, Everyone's always told me, read read the Gospels. Um, they're really easy to read, and they are, and they're really interesting. But I, I, I enjoy them a lot of the times. I enjoy the New Testament stories. Here's the problem quite with... Quite a lot. Here's the problem but with starting about, with the Gospels. Not New Testament, Old Testament. There is a problem with starting with the Gospels. The Bible is a story. Mm-hmm. And you... That's probably why I like Can you imagine like your first... The, the first Star Wars movie you watching being... The new sequels. Some people did that. Yeah, that's a lot of people. But if you start with the sequel, you're going to be like, I'm so supposed to know who these people time are? to figure out what's going on. Yeah. 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 Uh, or like you, you start watching on season seven of a TV show. You're going to be confused. Mm. Who are these people? And you might figure They're it out. They're going to make references and you might figure it out. Yeah, you will figure it out. But you're going to be like, wait. What is Israel? Why are why are sacrifices a thing? All those answers are in Genesis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact. However, however, I think this is what I think. I think if you're completely, uh, I'm not a scholar or anything, so it doesn't really matter. But my opinion, I think if you're completely new to Christianity and you have no idea what's going on, you didn't go to church as a kid, you should start in Genesis. However, if you're someone like I was, uh. Or someone that's been raised in it their whole life and just never, like, you knew Genesis, not Genesis, I mean, you knew the people because of Sunday school class, you knew what Israel was, you knew all the basics, then I would start in the Gospels because you know what's going on. Yeah, if, you, if you've if you been a Sunday school kid since uh, at least before you were a teenager, if you've been to Sunday school since before you were a teenager, you will probably be okay uh, starting in the New Testament because you'll probably have a basic understanding of some basic Bible stories. Yeah. But 
but plainly, just read your Bible. Yeah, but 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 for any of that, just read it daily. Yeah. If you read Proverbs, if you just start in Proverbs or start in Psalms or start in John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or Genesis, yeah, just read it. At least a chapter a day. Yeah, a chapter, three minutes, five minutes, three chapters. Read it daily. That's a good step one. Just read it every day. Yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, start with at least a verse. Yeah, that's good. But just a verse really doesn't give you a whole lot of context or a whole lot of help. Yeah. But if you start reading just a verse, eventually you're going to be like, well, I think I want to figure out what continues happening. I'll read a few more. Because it's got to start somewhere. You've got to plant the seed. At some point, and then it's going to grow. And then, a good thing to build on after that, or even from the beginning, is read with some method of taking notes. Yeah, because then eventually you're going to want to do that. Because you're going to be like, well, this makes sense to me in this way. I'm going to, I would really like to write this down so I can remember this. Here's why you take notes. Because you will forget if you don't. Like, I have had so many things, I'm like, oh, God, what was that thing I was thinking of earlier? Yeah. I don't know. I've had something enter my head at work, and I write it in a little notepad or something, because you can't just go pulling your phone out at work. It's not a good idea. But (laughs) uh, some people do it. I've done it, maybe. But (laughs) just, yeah, I have done it. (laughs) But on very rare occasions is what I mean. (laughs) Uh, just, if you just gotta get it down somehow, uh, if you're listening to something, take a screenshot. <laughs> that's what yeah. I've done, some stuff like that before. But, like, okay, I know that's the point to go, since I, so I can write this down later. But read with some, whether it's a pen, whether you're underlining something, whether you're highlighting, or whether you've got a journal with you, a phone. My Bible's a mess. Yeah. In fact, uh, <laughs> you go grab that, uh... Okay. Is that your personal Bible or is that Memos? Memos, is that your Bible? Yes, about? that's the one I'm talking about. I want to have it later just to make a point. Uh, also, a good note, always make sure you're reading in context. We talked about the story of a woman getting her, wanting to have her kid chopped in half. Yeah. Uh, read that in context. That's why I think it's... what you, you told a story that I had heard before a couple weeks ago... Um, on the podcast about a guy who said he was he was an atheist and he was just in a really low place in his life so he decided to just pick up the bible and read something random and what when he he just opened the bible to a story about uh, a woman's husband or I don't think it was her husband I think she was a concubine I'm not sure yeah but whatever they were together in some way um she was dead on his porch and he chopped her up in a bunch of pieces and center across uh, Jerusalem, and that was what he opened up to. And I think that's one reason why you should, when you pick up the Bible, know what you're doing. Um, what, one of the, there's a, always read it in context. Yeah. Uh, like, I mentioned a verse in uh, Hebrews 12 earlier, we're poor seeing we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. If it says wherefore at the beginning of the verse, you need to know what it's, uh, the, what I heard was know what therefore is therefore. That means therefore it's a continuing sentence word. Look at the verse before it. If it also starts with therefore, look at the verse before it. <laughs> There's a lot of places in the Bible where you keep on going back, 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 back. Where does the sentence start? 
because uh, they got some really long sentences in the Bible. But to get the full picture, you need to look at every sentence. Yeah. Uh, the whole Bible is one big story with one big end. And the end, the last book of the Bible is called The Revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the whole Bible's for. It starts with Genesis, the beginning is what Genesis means, ends with the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's what the whole Bible is doing. It's revealing Jesus. Yeah. And it's a really good, well put together thing that if you look at the whole thing in context, the whole thing is pointing to Jesus. The tabernacle's pointing to Jesus. The Psalms are pointing to Jesus. The Proverbs are showing how to live wisely, and that's pointing to Jesus. Uh, I heard another guy talk about the 2020 rule. Look at the 20 verses before and 20 verses after. So that means to really know the context of one verse, you might want you might need to read 40 verses. Yeah. Uh, to really understand it. Yeah. Because uh, there are some one-off verses that really make no sense. Yeah, and there can also be some verses that's what someone else is saying that go completely against like what the Bible wants you to do. There are, so if you just open a verse, the verse, the Bible, the verse could just be like, no, no. There are some something that sounds awful, but it it's not. There, there are some verses like if you picked a random verse out of the Book of Job. Yeah. There. Are incredibly depressing verses in there. Yeah. But then but then you But if know you got to realize the beginning of the book of Job, something terrible happens to him. Yeah. But you also need to realize by the end of the book of Job, God comes along and says, "Uh yeah, all your friends' negative opinions, they're all wrong. I'm greater than that." And at, by the end of the book, he's incredibly blessed. Yeah. And you, you understand that you need to there are stories in the Bible. The Bible has a lot of stories, and they all have a purpose. So you need to put yourself in that situation and think, so how would I really be feeling if, uh, if why Job's really negative? But is Job really negative? Imagine that you were Job. Yeah. Is Job's, are Job's friends really terrible? Imagine how, how, what advice you might try to give someone as a judgmental Christian. Are they really that awful, or are they like so many of us are? Was Eliab really wrong in telling David, I know you're just a cocky little kid that's just here to check out the battle? Or how would you feel if your little brother was, if you were slighted in favor of having your little brother anointed as king? Mm -hmm. People are human. Yeah, every character in the Bible is human, including Jesus. Yeah, because we're reading it as the final. We know how the edition. story ends. We know no that idea. David was going to be the greatest king of Israel. So we're thinking, how could you say that about David, that he's a cocky little kid? That's his little brother. He also might have been a cocky little kid. Yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine? If yeah. you were a, you were a little 14-year-old boy that had most... been told you're destined to be king. Imagine a 14-year-old boy, okay? <laughs> yeah, imagine Jimmy with a sense of, I'm going to be king. <laughs> <laughs> or young Texas. No, that would have been bad. <laughs> but uh, know the character's full story before you make any snap judgments. 
do, do we have a psalm telling how that person's feeling in that moment? Look it up. Try and figure it out. Yeah. Are they in another book of the Bible? I found this out about Jonah, realizing he'd had a king in the past who had rejected his prophecy and not listened to him. So maybe Jonah really wasn't so terrible to think, why would I go talk to them if even my own countrymen won't listen to me? Yep. Or is there a prophecy in play in this person's story? Is Judas really so terrible or was he just destined? Yeah. The answer is still that he might be a little bad, but also... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Judas is not not right. I'm not saying Judas is right, but I am saying there's destiny attached. Did it happen before Christ or after Christ? Come on the scene. Is it so bad what Jephthah or somebody did because they really didn't have the example of Jesus yet? Yeah. Realize there are some people, like Abraham does some really horrible things, but also the law of God hasn't been given yet. Yeah. <laughs> uh, look at the minor characters. What, what happened in the chapter before this? What happens in the chapter after this? Context, it's so important, and it helps us understand the book better. Yeah. Look at the minor characters. Why is this guy important enough to have a name? Uh, we don't know the names of so many people, but we know the name of the guy Peter chopped his ear off. Why? Don't know. <laughs> but I promise you, there's something to look up. There's something to give you that answer. There's so much stuff in the Bible that's so cool. And all this piece of advice, I've heard a lot of this information has come from preacher podcasts or on how to be a good preacher. I, uh, Bobby Kilman, uh, IBC podcast, Adam Shaw interviewing preachers on how to become a better preacher. That's where a lot of this stuff's coming from. But it doesn't all have, this is not just for preachers. That's the reason I wanted this book pulled out. This was my grandmother's Bible, and it is falling to pieces. It's got annotations. It's got little marks, underlines. It's got notes all over the place. Her Bible doesn't have um, as many, like, words everywhere. But I don't I have yet to find... I haven't read through this entire Bible. I've read through mine, but I've not read through this one. I have not found a single page that doesn't have at least one little mark on it. Yeah, it's not just for preachers. I want to ask a question to finish this off. Uh, if anyone has any questions, now is the time to chime in because we're about to wrap up. Yeah, there's not very many people. Um, if anyone's got any questions or anything like that to ask, this would be a great time to ask because we're about to wrap up. But I do have a question I want to ask you guys. Tell me a story of a time you were reading your Bible. Well, I have some, maybe not a question, just kind of a request. Can you tell me a story of a time you were reading your Bible, something just jumped out to you that you'd never noticed before, and it was just like, wow, moment. Or you, can you just tell me something like that that's happened? Well, I have more than one example of that. Yeah, just, just pick one or two or however many you think. And just. <laughs> well... I don't know which one to pick. I went. I went to my notes. You're a cheater. That's basically. Do it without your notes, you cheater. Well, 
I will tell I'm one while you guys are thinking. That's fine. <laughs> I will tell one while you guys are thinking. We were on vacation. Do not take a vacation from reading your Bible. That's uh, So I was reading my Bible one morning during vacation a couple of years ago. You know, when we were allowed to do those things. <laughs> uh, so we, I was on vacation. I was reading my Bible. And I was reading through the story of Elijah where God is talking to Elijah. And he says that because Elijah had just uh, run from Jezebel, all that. And he was very depressed, hiding in a cave. And God told him, I want you to go anoint Haziel to be king over Syria. I want you to anoint Jehu to become king of Israel. And I want you to anoint Elisha to be prophet in your place. And and then Elijah goes, he anoints Elisha, but he does not anoint the other two people. He was willing to replace himself, but he was not willing to replace the people that were giving him trouble. He's like, all I want is to be removed from this situation. I don't really care so much about about whether or not the situation gets fixed. I just want out of it. Yeah. Hezekiah. I, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> I'm picturing this. And I'm like, it's like it suddenly stuck out to me. But Elijah, Elijah doesn't realize that if he had just anointed Hezekiah, that's the man who was meant to kill Ahab, and that was that would have fixed the situation. If he'd anointed Jehu, that's the one who was meant to kill Jezebel, and both of his issues would have been fixed. But instead, all he goes and does is he throws his mantle on Elisha, and Elisha comes along and follows him. He doesn't even say a word to Elisha. Elisha just comes along because he was that hungry. Yeah. Were the other two people good people? No, but it was God's way of fixing the situation. Yeah. And it just stuck. I was like, oh, wow. And that's why, and it was just my casual daily Bible reading, and it mm-hmm. just made sense, and it stuck out. It was so surprising. Yeah. Because I'd heard some people telling that story, and it just made more sense to me. Yeah, and and that happens a lot when you when you read your word on, on a daily basis, on a regular basis, as much as you can, anyways. Like, and then I mean, we could talk for another hour on mixing the word with the spirit and getting revelations from that. But I mean, that's. Oh, I mean, to sum up the question or the, what you asked us to say is a lot of times that's what comes for like people's sermon inspiration and devotional inspiration is it's when you pray or you read your word, then pray, then God will put that scripture in your head and you'll go back and you'll read it. And it's like, wow, I just read that a minute ago or 10 minutes ago and I did not see it like that. And that. That just will happen. I, I promise you that will happen if you begin to read your word on a regular basis. Yeah, so it's undoubtedly going to happen. Do you guys have a story that you would like to tell? Well, that was me. That was that no was, story. It was just a generalization. Yeah, it was statement. a generalization. Okay. <laughs> How about you? I don't know. I mean, I have <laughs> stories I just I really don't know how to well all right um I don't I don't know I, I was reading I believe it's second kings because I'm almost there in my Bible reading now and I I saw my big note 
from when I saw it. It was when I was reading about uh, Gideon. Uh, when I was little, I always thought, and this is probably because of Veggie Tales, but Gideon was like this like big like I thought he was the coolest dude ever. Um, I thought it was so cool that he uh, fought an entire army with 300 people, and that is cool. And Gideon is it's a really cool story, um, but um, it it popped out to me um, uh, last year when I was reading my Bible that um he got a really big head <laughs> eventually and um at first he didn't want to be anointed king but uh and that seemed like honorable of him but as you kept reading you saw that uh he had an ephod made for him and that is what um the Priest. king or I'm probably not saying this right I wish I had my bible yeah. I have the note of it in there but anyway, he, um, I know what it was. Honestly, I know what it was. Okay. He named his son, I can't remember what his son's name was, but he named his son, uh, something that, uh, meant I am the son of a king. And, um, after he had, uh, went through all the trouble of being all noble and saying that he, he wasn't going to be king, that God was supposed to be the leader of them. That's yeah. It. Uh, I didn't say that very well. There's things that, <laughs> yeah, well, if you, if you uh, haven't realized it, uh, I'm pretty sure we may have a recording but somewhere, but I, I remember you ended up uh, speaking yeah. about that to Talked the church. about, um, it was called the danger of an unprepared anointing. And that was about how if you're not prepared for the anointing that God gives you, you will get a big head and think that you're the one behind your anointing when it's really God. Yeah. yeah and there are so many people in the Bible that did that over uh -huh. and over again. And even the good ones. Even some of the good ones, like Hezekiah. Like, like Gideon. Like Hezekiah and like Gideon. When God came to Gideon, he said, Thou mighty man of valor. Yeah. He said, you're a brave and great man. And there's some stuff people said that proved he was a mighty man of valor in that moment. But, uh, yeah, it's all in the Bible. And like I said, this is not just for preachers, not just for people who are meant to stand behind pulpits. Sometimes all it's meant to do is for you. And sometimes all it's meant to be, and sometimes it's just you share it with your friends or with your family. Yeah. Or just to help your prayer life be better. All of that's there. You're not, you don't have to be the one that's going to share this with everybody. You just need to study the book. Yeah. Um, if we don't have any more questions. No. Uh, or any more things. Does anyone have anything else they would like to say in closing here? All right. Well, in that case, I think we are about ready to close this off here. So thank you all for tuning in. Uh, and just... Study the word. Study it. Uh, we have one more uh, thing in our series talking about how should Christians really live. Uh, and that's next week for our series of how should Christians really live. We're going to be talking about discipleship and winning souls. Winning souls and discipleship. Because both are equally important. And they are the basis for how to grow a church, how to grow people of God, and what every Christian should be doing. So please tune in for that. We will have a special guest 
Miss Brittany Pennington is going to be speaking to us from Ashland, Kentucky. World famous. World famous. Ashland, <laughs> Kentucky. World famous place. No, uh, <laughs> he's world famous, not the Oh, place. okay, yeah. Both of them are world famous, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. We are going to be talking about so winning and discipleship, so please tune in next week. And you will not want to miss it. It's going to be good. So thank you all for tuning in. Love you guys.